Just because I don't stand with you in your cause, just because I don't agree with you, that, that takes away my blackness? I just think that we need to take a stand against black cannibalism. We need to open up our imaginations and our acceptance of what black is. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to another episode of the In My Own Words podcast. Round of applause, everybody. I am your podcast host, Tony R. Sanders. Happy Sunday, good people. I'm so glad to uh, be here with you guys once again. Hopefully you enjoyed your Thanksgiving or your Turkey Day or your Indigenous People Day or Family Day or whatever you want to call it. We've had so many Thanksgiving rebrands over time that I don't even know what we call it nowadays. But happy that day to you. I feel like starting off with some music because this song has been stuck in my mind forever. And if you grew up in the church like I grew up in the church, you knew the closest thing that you can get to listening to secular music, because, you know, that's what they used to call it back in the day, uh, was Kirk Franklin. You can listen to Kirk Franklin and the family, and it would be like listening to uh, R&B. It would be like listening to hip-hop. And if you remember this song, I was trying to get Alexa to play it, and technology has a way of making you look stupid. <laughs> the way Kirk... Kirk spelled this in uh, African-American vernacular English. He didn't spell it in the regular English. So it's whatcha looking and then the number four. It's literally W-H-A-T-C-H-A-L-O-O-K-I-N. No G and then the number four. So imagine me yelling at Alexa trying to get her to play whatcha looking for. She was playing everything but that. But one of my favorite songs, I'm trying to think what year did this come out? I want to say like 94... Uh, 1995 this came out and at the time we didn't know it but the person that we eventually would know as Mr. Brown and eventually after that David Mann, Tamala Mann's husband is the person that sings the second verse on here you can you can barely hear him say come here David and you can kind of hear and this may be just my mind you can kind of hear Tam in the background singing or yelling go ahead David listen to this part right here You can hear it now. Look at Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown in the 90s doing his thing. All right, I got to turn it off. <laughs> um, but that song's been stuck in my mind all day and all night. I don't know why. I don't know why if it's because my church follows me on YouTube now. It's a weird feeling when your church subscribes to you on YouTube. I'm like, all right, what do I need to take down? What video do I have there? I just keep having this reoccurring thought. That I'm going to be at church one day, minding my business, and on the projector screens, they're going to put me talking about Lil' Kim's album or something and call me up into the front of the church and ask me to explain myself. Like, Lil, what, what do you have to say about this? As a Christian, what do you think about the way you decimated this album? I'm just going to be honest. The album was trash, Jesus. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, if, if Jesus has good taste in music, he didn't like the album either. Listen, the album sold a thousand copies is what I'm saying. It wasn't that good. Lil' Kim has more than 1,000 fans. It sold 1,000 copies. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. I don't know how we got there, but I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. I definitely enjoyed mine. One of the things I love about the holidays period, but Thanksgiving specifically, is I get to be with all of my family at once. Now, I will say that uh, I shouldn't say all of my family because we do have it kind of segmented. In fact, 
today, later tonight, we're going to have the last round of Thanksgiving. See, when you grow up black in a big family, you have multiple rounds of Thanksgiving. I remember three Thanksgivings as a kid. We had to have three Thanksgiving. We had the pre-Thanksgiving with my dad's side of the family. We had the actual Thanksgiving with my mom's side of the family. And then we had a post-Thanksgiving with the people that actually raised my dad. If that makes sense at all to anybody, we had three Thanksgiving. And so you always had to do try to do portion control. I don't want to eat too much at grandma's house because when we go to auntie house, if I ate too much at grandma's house, I'm going to get in trouble for not eating at all at auntie house. And then you got to know what to eat where. Like I'm not going to eat all the uh, stuffing and dressing and turkey and all of that at grandma's house. I'm going to save room for that at auntie's house. At grandma's house, I'm going to get to the yams. I'm going to get the mac and cheese. I'm going to get the chitterlings. Yes, I eat the chitterlings. I saw somebody on Twitter today call uh, chitterlings booty noodles, and I felt disrespected. I felt, <laughs> I felt completely disrespected. Look, I don't care what you call them. Once a year, once the, once the year, I'm going to say everything in African-American vernacular English today. Once the year, <laughs> I'm eating some chitterlings, okay? I'm eating some chitlins. I'm going to eat me some pig feet. I put the whole hoof in there and spit a toenail at you. I don't care what you think about it. It's good to me. I eat it once a year. It's not something that I go uh, to the store and get. My uncle was telling me how he'll go to the store and get a jar of pickled pig feet and just sit in his in his room and eat it. And I'm like, how are you still married? <laughs> like, I know you've been married for a while. I can't imagine me sitting in my room with my beat and this is how my uncle used to dress when i was growing up i used to go to his house i'm not gonna say what uncle it was not that y'all would know anyway some of y'all would know actually but by this description if you know you know this man would sit with his his um i don't know what else to call it his white beater tank top t-shirt tucked into his drawers with long socks on i can't imagine him sitting with the long socks the beater tucked into the drawers, eat the jar of pickled pig feet, and then trying to get intimate afterwards. No! <laughs> Who gonna want to do something after seeing that? Who gonna want to have some relations after seeing you eat pickled pig feet out of the jar with a beater on? I can't do it. But anyway, I don't eat it to that extent, but I do uh, enjoy that uh, southern delicacy once a year once a year i gotta have it i don't go back for seconds for it but i gotta have it once a year but my my thanksgiving had all the the classic elements to it all the food that i ate was great it tasted amazing it smelled amazing we had an old school uh singing round table whatever you want to call it uh when, when black people get together and they just they sing songs like they just left the plantation like right before they was here like right before you coming from all oh, the plantation we sing songs like it makes you feel like you should be working harder i'm listening to my grandma sing these songs and the 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 the, the power and the passion in which she sings these songs let me know she's been through some stuff in her life like you don't have a cakewalk life a easy going cakewalk life without uh and, and, and be able to sing to that fat in that fashion right to that degree and that magnitude you have had to have gone through some things you have had to at one point in your life killed your own food to eat it like literally went outside grabbed a chicken killed it plucked it 
dipped it in water, cleaned it, did whatever you fried dye and laid it to the side. Like you had to go through some stuff. And I noticed in that moment the way she was delivering the tunes, the way the notes rolled off her tongue. That's a woman that's been through something. So we had that. We had the classic elements of that. We had uh, great games to watch. Now, I am secretly not really a sports fan anymore. It's weird. You should see some of the looks on the faces of my family members when they talk about, oh, did you see the Duke game? Did you see? And I'm like, uh, I don't I don't watch college basketball. Oh, man, Ohio State. And did you see? Uh, I don't really watch. <laughs> I don't really watch college football. I'm secretly not really a sports fan. There's so many other things that I would rather be doing with my time while you guys are watching the Duke game, which I love and respect and go Duke. I'm like trying to figure out the next video series I'm going to do on YouTube. I'm trying to figure out uh, the next content piece I can create. I'm trying to put together a podcast. I'm studying filmmaking for a film that I want to do with my daughter. I'm doing so many other things. I'm cleaning up the house. I'm spending time with my wife, spending time with my family. I just don't really miss it as much. But it does make for great conversation uh, during Thanksgiving. And so we have that classic element. We have the classic elements of the debates, which I'll get into later. It definitely had some uh, debates at the Lee household when it came to arguing about sports and arguing about Colin Kaepernick and all about the waiver and arguing about the best basketball player ever and the best football player ever. And uh, so there was that was um, some of my favorite moments from Thanksgiving. I'm going to put up some of the video uh, that I took during Thanksgiving. Not a lot, just a few snippets so you can guys see the vibes that we were setting on Thanksgiving. I swear it felt like there was 52 million people at my grandma's house on Thanksgiving. No matter where you tried to sit, somebody else is already sitting there. But the crazy thing about it is there was so much love in the home, so much love in the room that it didn't bother you, right? It didn't matter that you were sitting uh, on, on someone or next to someone or elbow to elbow. Me and my uncle shared a TV table. We both grown men. I got four kids. He got five. He's a grandfather now, actually. Grown men sat and shared a TV table. But it doesn't matter as much when you're sharing it with people you love, right? And so the Thanksgiving dinner was filled up full of love. I'm sure our event that we're hosting tonight is going to be uh, much of the same. And I'm looking forward to hosting. There's pros and cons to hosting. One of the pros of hosting is hey, I, I can't be late because I'm already here. That's one of the pros of I don't have to worry about being late. I'm already here. Um, I, I heard somebody else say today that they love hosting because all they have to bring is the rent. They pay the rent. They provide shelter. They provide warmth. I'm already done. I, I pitched in all I could pitch in. Uh, I'm making a turkey secretly when I say making it. I made the purchase and I made the transaction to have somebody else cook it. That's just between us. Don't tell nobody. Uh, I'm definitely going to pass it off as my own tonight. Uh, unless they don't like it, then I'm going to tell them where I got it from. But if they like it, <laughs> see, I can't do that because then somebody is going to drop a turkey off at my house later and ask me to make them one the way that I made one, and I can't. I just can't keep the lie alive. But um, I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving as well. Um, let's get into some news topics. Actually, before we get into news topics, I do want to say this. I want to thank everybody that watched the podcast last week, my interview with Edward Ball. Matter of fact, a round of applause for you guys. I will have you know that that podcast has been the best podcast I've done as far as uh, numbers are concerned. 
but bigger than that as far as impact and conversation. I always measure the success of what I'm doing based on the conversations that it generates, right? My purpose in life is to uh, tell stories that inspire people to action. And I'm always trying to look through that lens, and I'll be completely honest, I haven't refined it enough, right? That was some of the feedback that I got about the episode. I loved it. It was great. But what were the actionable items? Like, what do I, what do, I do now? What are you trying to tell me? What's the message you're trying to get across? And I love that feedback because if my purpose is to tell stories that inspire people to action, I have to make sure that the stories that I'm telling are not just entertaining, and inspiring, but there are there's some action that you can take behind it. Whether the action is um, just laughing so hard that you forget about your troubles for a second. Sometimes that's the action, right? Sometimes the action is to purchase someone's book so you can read their experiences and learn um, about what uh, their struggle was and what their unique value proposition is to the world and how to see things through their lens. Sometimes the value is a change that you need to make in your life or in your family or in your community. But I have to do a better job of refining uh, that purpose and that that value, right? Just just zeroing in on that lens a little bit more to get the picture a little more clear. Um, and so, but thank you guys so much for supporting that, for sharing that. Um, it's really been great. Some of the conversations and even phone calls, I got a phone call like, Hey, I want to talk to you about this interview you did. And it was a great phone call. We talked for about an hour, uh, overall, and it was just an amazing phone call. I got a couple of those conversations, a bunch of text messages. So thank you guys for, um, checking that out and supporting that. And hopefully you learned something from it. Hopefully you were able to take something from that to say, okay, um, these stories do exist or, Hey, this is what I need to do in this next, uh, election cycle, or, Hey, this is, uh, a cautionary tale of what not to do because not everybody is going to be as blessed by God as he was in that situation. So, uh, shout out to you guys. Let's run through some news topics. Um, T.I. was on red table talk. Hyman gate continues. T.I. was on red table talk, talking to, uh, Jada Pickin, her mother, which they call her Gammy or Gam Gam, and Tiny was there in support. Now, I want to say this. It says a lot about a woman that will ride with you through thick and thin. I happen to have one of those women, and I can see that Tiny is one of those women. So round of applause for all the women who ride for their man no matter what stupid stuff they do. <laughs> that support means a lot to a guy because the most guys we we have egos, right? So a lot of times we have to try things and and go too far in order for our egos to allow us to admit that we were wrong about something. And TI didn't necessarily admit that he was wrong, but he did kind of back off some of his statements and lean on the fact that he doesn't maybe fully understand that world, which I thought was very, very big of him to do. It still doesn't excuse some of the things that he said. And if you're mad at him, this is not the segment of the show where I'm going to try to convince you that you're wrong for being mad at him. I wasn't mad at him. I fully understood. Uh, to give context to the conversation, T.I. was on a podcast and he talked about going to the, do going to the doctor with his daughter and giving... Um, the doctor orders, along with permission from his his, his daughter, um, to check her hymen to see if her hymen was still intact as a way of checking to see if his daughter was still a virgin. Now, I told you guys last time, I come from this school of parenting. No dating 
until after you're married. No dating until after you're married. I come from the Oscar Proud School of Parenting. But I will tell you that I do think what T.I. did was going too far, but I understand a, a, a father being concerned about the well-being of his daughter. And I think that him going on Red Table Talk was a great way for him to uh, elocute the full story because he did release some more details about the situation. One being that he wasn't in the doctor's office with his daughter. He was just there. The The mother was there as well. The doctor was reporting these things back to him. And it happened when she was younger. It happened when she was 15 and 16 years old, not the age she is now, which is 18 years old. And so I still don't think that's something that you should talk about on a public platform. I think once you take those issues public, those issues don't belong to you anymore. But I do like the idea that T.I. went to talk to some strong, powerful women that would not only hear him out, but also educate him on some of the right things to do. One of my favorite clips in the interview was uh, when Jada said to T.I. what she says, she says to Will. She told T.I., you know, I tell Will all the time, all I need you to do is love your daughter. I will show her how to be a woman. And as a husband with uh, and a father with three daughters, that was big for me. I was like, oh, you know what? That actually makes sense. When I think about um, me growing up, my mom didn't show me how to be a man. She told me about being a man, but it was based on the things that my father did. I always say my mother told me how to be a man, but my father showed me how to be a man. And that is the role that um, the father plays with the son relationship. I would guess the the reverse of that would have to be true as well, right? If I can't show my daughter how to be a woman. I've never been a woman before. Today, my daughter asked me, Dad, what else would a seven-year-old girl want for Christmas? She's writing out her Christmas list, and she asked me this question. And I said, I don't know. I've never been a seven-year-old girl before. But guess what, Mom? Your mom has. Right. And so she can speak more to that. And I'm trying to soak up all this information and all of this knowledge because I got a 13 year old. I have a nine year old daughter. I have a seven year old daughter. Those days are coming. The days are ahead where they're going to want to have relationships and and be with boys and, you know, all, all of that stuff that I don't want to speak about. Uh, it's It's happening. And so. I need to make sure that I'm soaking up as much gaming and, and knowledge and information as I can, um, at least the good information, to make sure that I'm prepared on how to deal with these things. So I thought that was really good. What else is happening in the news? Oh, I got breaking news. Hold on. Let me hit the breaking news horn. Breaking news. Kanye West might be saved, y'all. I'm just going to tell y'all. Kanye West might be saved. Now, I'm saying might. I don't know. But last Sunday, a week ago from today, he put out an opera. Now, I've never been to an opera. I don't know what an opera looks like. I don't know what an opera's supposed to sound like or how the stage design is. But I can tell you, I watched Kanye West Oprah opera, <laughs> opera on Nebuchadnezzar on uh, streaming on Tidal last Sunday, and it was incredible. It was really, really good. I love that this type of artistry from the casting having Sheck West as Nebuchadnezzar I thought that was super dope the um set design how he had like 32,000 people on stage all dressed relatively the same representing the different people in the story how he had uh Shadrach Meshach and Abednego how he had the um 
golden statue that they they were supposed to be worshiping how he told the story directly from the bible it wasn't a an interpretation of the bible it was literally kanye west reading the bible narrating the play something that i didn't know i needed i want the bible app somebody get in contact with life church right now i want the bible app to have Kanye West's voice on it as an option. You got the King James Version, you got the New International Version, the New King James Version, and the Kanye West Version of the Bible. I want that one on my phone. Nothing different, just Kanye West reading the KGV. It was super impressive. Like, the way that they told the story, the the thoughtfulness in it, the, the score of it, it was all the sounds and the music that you would love to hear from Kanye West with the backdrop of an opera with great set design, uh, great music, great acting. I just thought it wasn't a wonderful thing. And I, and I had to come to this conclusion. And this is going to be something that you can walk away with, especially if you're a believer the way that I am. Number one, you should go to title.com and watch the uh, Nebuchadnezzar opera. I think that you would really be um excited about it if you're familiar with that story i think you would really enjoy it and you should just support title because we should support our people who are doing positive things in the world and you guys know jay-z owns title but we have to as christians and i don't i want to do a full episode on this but i have a particular guest that i want to bring in so i can't i can't give it all to you right now i wish i could but i gotta hold some back um but as christians we have to allow Saul to eventually become Paul. And what I mean by that is this. Saul was on his way to, to, cre- um, to kill Christians, right? Mass genocide of Christians. He found his duty and his business to kill Christians. And on his way down that path, after already killing some Christians and going to kill some more, he met Jesus, right? He met God changed his life, changed his name, and now he's responsible for writing the majority of the New Testament. What I'm saying is this. I'm not comparing Kanye West to Saul. I'm using that story, that big, big example, as a representation or a symbol of how we should treat people that are on their paths. You never know where someone's path is going to lead you, but you don't want to be one of those real Christians that are turning away sinners that could be on their way to Christianity. You never know how God is dealing with somebody. You never know how God is working with somebody, even if their intentions aren't pure. I remember being a little kid, you know, going to church every Sunday, all day on Sunday. We still do this now, by the way. We still have 17 services on a Sunday. We're going to be there from 9 to 5 plus a little bit more uh, with a little lunch break in the middle. But I remember being as a kid sitting on the front row, uh, mocking the way that some of the deacons and the mothers of the church and the older people were catching the Holy Ghost, right? We would pretend that we were them and we would joke around. And one of the mothers said to me once, okay, you playing now, but one day you're going to be serious. And when you get serious and you have a real interaction with God, you have a real interaction with the Holy Ghost, it ain't going to be funny then. You playing around now, but keep playing around, keep sticking around. And eventually you're going to have a real experience. And I, and I want to say that for anybody, even if you think that uh, the Snoop Dogs of the world, when he made his album, everybody was all over him. Even if you think that Kanye West's intentions aren't pure, we have to be able to give him a chance. Because here's the big thing. No one man has the power to derail God's plan. That's one thing that we should know. Also, in addition to that, 
it's not going to hurt you on your Christian journey if Kanye West is playing, if Joel Osteen is playing. It's not going to hurt you. You have to have your own relationship with God and not look to other people to validate that or to be that for you, right? So even if he is playing, let God handle that situation. And I know that's different. I didn't keep the same energy. <laughs> I, yo, for one, you have to see me when you come to the window, so you better have the same energy. I didn't have the same energy. I had a couple podcasts ago. But I came to this realization that, one, I have a love-hate relationship with Kanye West. He's the only person that I know is polarizing that will polarize you within yourself, right? It's not like Trump where half of the country just completely hates him and thinks that everything that he does is wrong. Another half of the country just completely loves him, thinks everything he does is right. Kanye West on a Monday will have you in love with him. And on a Tuesday, you are ready to cancel this dude forever. The same person will have you thinking one way and then the other way. So shout out to Kanye West for the Nebuchadnezzar opera. I thought it was really dope. A uh, round of applause for him for sure. I thought that was amazing. Um, what's next on the list? Oh, next on the list. We got to talk about bitter exes, man. We got to talk about bitter exes. Now, I'm not going to talk about any of my bitter exes because I don't have exes. The only time I see exes is when I play tic-tac-toe. All right? Uh, but <laughs> we got to talk about one person being bitter towards their ex in, um, in particular. And that is John Schnatter. John Schnatter. I think I'm saying that right, but I'm probably not. But oh, well, this is the African-American vernacular episode of the In My Own Words podcast. John Schnatter is the former and still racist CEO of Papa John's, the the pizza that sponsors racism, uh, the former CEO of Papa John's, who was removed from the company for his racist actions. He is still out here acting like a bitter ex. Matter of fact, I need to give this man a wow award. Wow. Oh, my God. Wow. Yahoo sent me an email, and it says, in quote, 40 pieces in the last 30 days. John Schnatter dishes out criticism to Papa John's. Already off the headline, I know what this is. You ever have somebody that you dated who was in love with you? Like, love your, your dirty, stinking, nasty draws. They just love you so much, right? And then something happens. It doesn't work out. They go on. They move on with their life. You move on with your life, and now you weren't that good. Now, all of a sudden, you weren't all of that. Right, first the nose is wide open because nobody tell him nothing about you. Now, ah, he wasn't all that anyway. Oh, girl, he was he was terrible. He was this, he was that. Right? They try to call you a member small. Why girls always go to that? That's how you know it's just hate. That's how you know it's hate and hurt and not just facts. Girl, he was in the itty bitty committee anyway. Oh, you wasn't saying that the six months y'all was together, going to the bowling alley every week and sitting at Applebee's eating two for twenty fives. You wasn't saying that then. But now all of a sudden he ain't with you no more. He wasn't he wasn't packing nothing. Whatever. I'm standing with my kings. I'm standing with my kings. <laughs> but Papa John's is saying that on Twitter, uh, he was saying that he had 40 Papa John's pizzas over the last 30 days, and it's quote not the same pizza. You know what that taste you're missing, Papa John's is. You know what? You know why it's not the same pizza? It's missing a little sprinkle of racism. Oh my God. <laughs> That was the secret ingredient. It don't taste the same because it don't taste as racist anymore ever since they got you out of it. 
I hate to see people leave their old thing and then trash their old thing because they ain't a part of it anymore. As you guys know on this podcast, I share with you that I left my job, a job that I worked for for almost six years, a place that I love. still has a lot of people there that I love. Even though I don't work there no more, I don't stand or like or comment or agree with the people who I see on Facebook tearing down the place that they were just getting a check from. It's my same issue with Eric Reed. You're getting a check every week from the NFL while at the same time complaining about how terrible the NFL is. You're a part of the system. When you worked at my old job, you were there a part of the system. Whatever they did wrong, quote unquote, you did too. You were there with them. Papa John's, they don't want you no more. Move on. Go do something else with your time. How about you go to some classes to get that racism out your heart? How about you figure out a different way to live your life as opposed to being a bitter ex, doing wild-worthy things, making sure that you never have an opportunity to go back to this company again? They don't want you no more, bro. Racism is out. It's 2019. The only person that could be openly racist is a president, and you ain't him. Get out. You've been impeached. You've been impeached, Papa Johns. Get out of here, brother. Oh, my God. Wow. Speaking of impeachment, I have a bold proclamation. Let me hit my theme music for my bold proclamation. This is Stephanie Taylor, Saw the Signs. I saw the sign, and it opened up my Hey. <laughs> I love that. I can listen to that all day. Let me hit it one more time. Here's my bro proclamation. If Donald Trump gets impeached, the Republicans win the next election. That's my bro proclamation. If Donald Trump gets impeached, the Republicans will win the next election. Let me explain it to you. Even if Donald Trump gets impeached, he will not be removed from office. There is a way that you can get impeached but not removed from office. So you can file the articles of impeachment. You can have the impeachment hearings that are going on right now that the world at large doesn't seem to care about. All you're going to do is rile up the Republican Party, rile up their propaganda machines being the news, rile up his fan base to come out and vote stronger and more in support of him. Here's my bold proclamation. Not only will he get reelected if he's impeached, he will get reelected and win the popular vote based off him being impeached. I want to break it down to you like this. People love an underdog story. And somehow, through all of this craziness and through all of this madness, Donald Trump has found a way to play the victim saying that the Democrats are on a witch hunt, saying that there are no grounds for impeachment. Here's the interesting thing. You can watch CNN, MSNBC, and Fox cover the same story and walk away with three totally different conclusions. I watched it. I do this all the time, right? I want to make sure that I have left and left center and right and right center. I try to watch as many different news sources as possible. And... When we're going over the impeachment hearings, I see CNN saying, oh, my gosh, this was a bombshell. There are so many impeachable things just in this one testimony alone. 
And then I hear Fox cover it, and their their experts, their pundits say, hey, there's nothing impeachable here. This just shows how crazy the Democrats are, and this is much of a witch hunt as we've ever seen, and President Trump will not be impeached. There's nothing impeachable here. How can you get that from the same coverage of the information, right? And this isn't a political podcast. So I'm not going to deep dive this, but I will say that if you're watching this and you're watching what it's doing to his base and the way that uh, the propaganda is being fed to his base, they're not backing off of him. You don't have people jumping ship and saying, you know what? Trump is wrong. Trump is is doing things crazy. Trump is doing things that are unpresidential. I even heard one of his supporters say he may be doing some things that you could debate morally if they're correct or not, but they're not impeachable things. Since when should the law supersede your morals? Anyway, I got to get off of that, but that's me seeing the signs. My bold proclamation is Donald Trump, if impeached, will be reelected in the 2020 election. Not something that I'm happy about, but something that I do feel is real. All right. Uh, we got to talk about this Colin Kaepernick thing. Now, one of the debates that I had um, at my grandma's house on Thanksgiving was about the waiver. And here's the funny thing about the debate. I was the only one in the debate that actually read the waiver. And I don't even want to get into the details of the waiver or the workout or if he should have done the workout or uh, if he should have, you know, handled it the way he did it should he wore the kunta kente shirt we're past that part of the conversation here's the part of the conversation we do need to have though uh, immediately after the workout Stephen a smith had this to say i want to play a clip for you guys you see he don't want to play he wants to be a martyr but guess what it ain't working this time. All of us believe that Colin Kaepernick would have showed out. And if he had showed out, I'm here to tell you, I believe he would have had a job inside of two weeks. But it didn't happen because he didn't show. He wanted to show up to a high school in Georgia. Not an NFL facility, a high school. And then YouTube it live. Like, the average Joe out there gets to decide if he's on the NFL roster. You don't want to work. You just want to make noise. And you want to control the narrative. All right, I don't want to play the whole clip, but that's a good uh, amount for you to get the, the gist of the clip uh, for where I'm going. It's a three-minute clip. It's still on his Twitter. Two things I love about that video. One, Stephen A. Smith has... Uh, one-fourth of a mustache on that video. It's like he was in the middle of a haircut and got up and said, no, I got to speak about this. I got to speak about this. Um, and I love how New York people put uh, R's on the end of their A's. Yeah, he, he he's in Georgia. Georgia. Um, but I don't even want to talk about the content of the clip, right? Stephen A. Smith is obviously taking a stand uh, disagreeing with how Colin Kaepernick handled something, which he's well within his right to, to do. Here's the biggest part of what I want to do and the more problematic part of it. A couple of days later, Terrell Owens, Hall of Fame wide receiver, goes on to Stephen A. Smith's show, First Take, and he has this to say about Stephen A. Transparency for people to see the full workout, to see the full Colin Kaepernick. Again, you, you mentioned obviously Max is going to get in here. And like I said, I'm in the streets. Max almost seems blacker than you, Stephen A., <laughs> with, 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 with what Tom. he... 
I'm in the streets. Max almost seems blacker than you, Stephen A. That's what we need to talk about. Here's the funny thing about this. Whether you agree with Stephen A or not, you have to agree with his ability to say something different. We often throw people into the wind and try to revoke their blackness if they don't agree with what you think black people as a whole should agree with. It's something that, quite frankly, I'm sick and tired of. The phrase that I've coined for this type of behavior is black cannibalism. It's bigger than cancel culture. It's bigger than the Me Too movement. It is something that is deep-rooted within the black community and has been since the days of slavery. It's bad enough that we have a system and people in this country that want to oppress us. That's bad enough. But we take it a step further by trying to remove someone's blackness and oppress one another off the simple strength of us not agreeing with one another. I could go on a long rant, and I promise you I want, about why this is so problematic and the genesis of this type of mentality. But I could tell you that the people who speak this type of mentality, Terrell Owens included, are speaking the language of white supremacists. Yeah, whenever you say someone's not black enough, whenever you want to revoke someone's blackness because of the way that they speak or the way that they dress or the way that they look or they want to vote a different way than what you vote, you are holding up the banner of white supremacy. As a matter of fact, what you're doing is more dangerous than what a white supremacist can do. Because once you start to talk about it as a black man or a black woman, you have more credence and more validation to your statement than a white person ever would. It's just like growing up, right? It makes a difference when I talk about my brother as opposed to you talking about my brother. You don't know my brother. I don't have to listen to what you say about my brother. It's my brother. But when I say something about my brother, that carries a significant amount of weight. The same thing happens when we start to denigrate and tear down black people just for being different. Through a course of years, and again, I don't have time to go through all of it, with media programming, the way that black people have been portrayed in media, and I know that you should say, well, you shouldn't get your education from media. Well, look, it's not in the school books. And they call it media programming for a reason. They are programming you through the radio, through the internet, through the television, through YouTube, through podcasting. It is programming. I don't think that's a mistake. And for a long time, before the Ava DuVernay's of the world, before the Lena Waits of the world, before Oprah, before Tyler Perry, there was only one way a black person was going to be seen publicly through the media, through your school books. And that became the banner of what blackness is. Chicken and watermelon. Afro pics and dashikis and, right, hip-hop 
beating women, being abusive, wearing baggy jeans, now wearing tight jeans, dressing like this, dressing like that, being the ultimate definition of cool. And not all of it is bad, right? But not all of it is black either. That's not all blackness is. If you watch a couple rap videos, if you watch a couple movies, you see Black Panther, and you think that that's all that blackness is, you are sadly mistaken. And this goes if you're black or white. You can't identify and define what blackness is for somebody else, especially not off of a cause. Just because I don't stand with you in your cause, just because I don't agree with you, that, that takes away my blackness? I just think that we need to take a stand against black cannibalism. We need to open up our imaginations and our acceptance of what black is. Here's an easy definition. Whatever you see a black person do, that's what black is. And I know we have fun with stereotypes. Look, I'm a comedian. I tell jokes. I play off stereotypes all the time. But I'm not canceling someone's blackness. I'm not revoking someone's black card because they do something that we don't see, that we haven't been taught is traditionally black. That's a bunch of crap if I've ever heard it. And I've already spent way more time on this than I plan to. But I want you guys to understand how much we're tearing each other down to the, to the degree that we are removing someone's blackness. Think about what you're saying when that. Someone is more blacker than you. You need to turn in your black card. You're not black anymore. Isn't that exactly what they did to our forefathers when they brought them over on slave ships? When you think about the, uh, the behaviors of an oppressor, whether it's white slave owners or abusive husbands or abusive relationships, the math and the formula is always the same. They take you away from your environment, disconnect you from your heritage, disconnect you from your value. They deprogram you and then reprogram you. That abusive husband will take that woman and move her three states away from the family disconnect her from all the values that she was taught about how beautiful she is, how strong she is, how much of a great culture and a heritage she comes from. Disconnects her from all that. Makes her think she's dumb, stupid, ugly, undesirable. Don't nobody want her except for him. And then they reprogram you with all of this nonsense. In essence, that's what white slave owners did to us. They snatched away our blackness. And now here we are in 2019, so quick to take away somebody's blackness because we don't agree with them. About football, over a sport, over one man who doesn't have a job. Now we're going to revoke someone's blackness. And this isn't a pro Stephen A rant. It's much bigger than that. I agree with Stephen A, not wholeheartedly. There's some things I didn't agree with, but some things I do agree with. But this isn't about that. This is way bigger than that. Log into your Twitter right now and you'll see somebody taking away someone's black card because they didn't do something. The people who are doing that, ironically, they're the coons. They're the ones that are holding up white supremacy. They're the ones that are speaking the language of the oppressor. All right, let me move on because that's, <laughs> that's more than enough on that topic. I feel like I need to grow an afro back and, and, and have a dashiki. 
I feel like I feel like I could have been in Coming to America too, which is coming. Uh, speaking of movies, last thing I want to talk to you guys about: The Irishman is coming out. Let's give a round of applause for The Irishman. I'm super excited about this movie. Although I haven't seen it yet, I'll be honest. I haven't seen it because it's three and a half hours long. But I'm going to tell you this right now. Just based off what I'm seeing in the previews, in the artwork, in the casting, it's already going to enter my top five gangster movies of all time. Now, I want to give you my top five gangster movies of all time. I saw another list, which is the one that inspired me to do this. Uh, They only had one of my top five in their top five, which was crazy. Um... But this person also had Boys in the Hood in their top five gangster movies. Now, it was gang banging in Boys in the Hood, but I don't think that's a gangster movie. I don't know if you want to, it wasn't about a crime family. That was just some niggas doing crime. All right. That was just a neighborhood where stuff happens. Right. And I could tell this person probably didn't grow up in that neighborhood. Like that was just a movie about the hood. Hence, boys in the hood it wasn't about a crime family who rose to prominence and had all these issues so that's that's a different type of movie but um boys in the hood is not my top five gangster movies here are my top five gangster movies number one coming out in i believe 1990 goodfellas goodfellas with ray liotta and joe pesci and De Niro. it will always and forever be my top my favorite gangster movie. I haven't seen The Irishman yet, but it would take an act of Scorsese God to take over that film. And you never know, but I don't think it's going to take over that. Number two, American Gangster, Frank Lucas. Now, this would have been my number one. This was almost at the top of my list. Here's what stopped it. I feel like in the production of the movie, when it comes to screen time, they tried to make me care too much about Russell Crowe's character. I don't care about the police officer that took down Frank Lucas. I'm here to see Frank Lucas. I, I, I would be willing to bet that if you wrote down screen time for each actor, so maybe you can Google it, it would be close to 50-50, if not a slight, a slight edge to Russell Crowe's character. And I didn't want to see that much of him. Obviously, I know what's important. I know you need to see what he was going through, but I didn't care about his partner being on coke. Everybody's partner was on coke back in the day when when it came to uh, cocaine in New York and police officers. Like everybody was taking money under the table. Everybody was doing it. That was they they hammered that home without all the scenes of his partners. I didn't care about the custody battle with his kid. Honestly, I don't think we needed to see that. We knew that he was going through some stuff. We knew that Blue Magic was was the the hottest thing in the streets. We knew that it was a citywide and a worldwide epidemic. We didn't need all of these scenes with Russell Crowe. So that's why that movie is number two for me. Uh, Number three, The Godfather 1 and 2. I'm taking up two spots with Godfather 1 and 2. I know you might be thinking, what happened to Godfather 3? I don't know. I don't know. Siri, ain't nobody ask you nothing. <laughs> Siri, all in my business. No, I don't want you to look up nothing. All right. So number three is The Godfather 1 and 2. Number four, Casino. Got to give it up to Casino. Uh, great movie. I, I debated on uh, Casino and Heat, and then I re-looked at Heat, and I'm like, that's not even a gangster movie. Again, some crime going on, but not a gangster movie. Not about a crime family coming up, so I got to give it to Sam Rothstein. And then number five on my list was Carlito's Way. You got to give it up for Carlito's Way. Freaking Benny Blanco from the Bronx ruined the whole thing. He was almost out. Got to give it up to that. But coming in at number five, and I haven't even seen it yet, The Irishman. 
I got to give it up. Listen, you don't get Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, directed by Martin Scorsese, and not give us a classic. The movie is three and a half hours long. You know how many three and a half hour movies I've watched that weren't good? None of them. Even Titanic back in 97. I know y'all going to say it was horrible, but it wasn't. It was a good movie. How many of you have pretended to be Jack and Rose at the top of the ship with your arms just going open on vacation? You've done it before. Some of y'all was in the hood in a puddle and did it. You've done it before. It's an amazing movie. Now, I don't know if I'd watch it again and again and again, even though I've seen it more times than I'd want to. It's one of those movies that I'm not going to go looking for, but if I happen to stumble upon it, I can't change it. I have to see how they die again. I have to see why Rose didn't just share the board with Jack. He didn't have to die. But anyway, that's an uh, Avengers Endgame, I think, was over three hours. Great movie. Wouldn't change a thing about it. Godfather, definitely over three and a half hours. Wouldn't change a thing about it. So those are my top five gangster movies. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, watching, listening, however you interact with this content. Make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. A lot of subscribers, guys, welcome to the channel. Thank you so much for watching the show. Uh, My new video series, my top media influences will be out this week. So make sure you subscribe and get the notifications on that. I will give you nine videos on my top media influences uh, as I was growing up as a child. My media influence today actually will be a little bit different, but we're going to save that series for another time. And I will talk to you guys next week. Peace and love. Thanks for listening. See you on my own words podcast. Peace.